What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with rally at risk. Stocks coming off another mixed session, but still tracking for their fourth straight month of gains. Why two top market watchers say the win streak is likely about to get cut short. Also, Alphabet under pressure over its Gemini, Gemini AI image issues, we'll call them. This morning, the CEO is calling the missteps unacceptable, but that may not be enough for our Jim Cramer. His very hot take, it's coming up. Also, sticking with tech this morning, Apple taking the exit ramp when it comes to its self-driving car ambitions. And while that may actually be good news for the stock. Plus, Hong Kong looks to get its property sector back on the right foot, and investors, they appear to be happy to go along for the ride. And later, swiping left, the shares of Bumble, they sink ahead of the open. It's Wednesday, February the 28th, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready for the trading day ahead. We're going to kick off this hour with the check of U.S. stock futures after a bit of a mixed day for stocks. I saw the Dow close lower, but the S&P and the Nasdaq finished just very slightly higher. Right now, you can see red across the board. Looks like the Dow would open about 145 points lower. However, it's the Nasdaq. The Nasdaq, that's the hardest hit right now, down over a half a percent. So ahead of the open, at least 46 S&P 500 stocks, they're trading at 52-week highs or all-time highs, with the majority outside of big tech or communication services. Take a look at some of the names. We're talking names like Raw Stores, Tractor Supply, Ulta, Progressive, and Vulcan Materials. Speaking of broadening out, Let's take a look at the Russell 2000 coming off its first four-day win streak of the year. The bull argument for small caps it just appears to be growing stronger. You're taking a look at the chart. Small caps up almost 1.5% year-to-date, but you can see right now moving higher in the pre-market. We'll have much more on small caps in just a moment. We're also checking the bond market this morning, taking a look at yields. Uh, the benchmark, that's where we always start, the 10-year note, 429 We've seen the tenure move about 25 basis points since the start of February. We'll continue to watch that and talk about the impact of higher rates on the markets. And this morning, we also want to look at oil. Taking a look, we always start with WTI, the U.S. benchmark, down more than 1%, trading at basically 78 bucks a barrel. Brent crude, the international benchmark, at 82.85 a barrel, down just about 1% as well. Okay, that's your morning money setup. Let's get a check of some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau here with those. Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Well, it's damage control day at Alphabet. This after CEO Sundar Pichai called Gemini's problematic responses to user questions, quote, completely unacceptable, promising to make company-wide structural changes to prevent similar incidents. Now, in a note to Google employees late yesterday, Pichai adding, quote, no AI is perfect, especially at this emerging stage of the industry's development, but we know the bar is high for us and we will keep at it for however long it takes. And we're watching shares of United Health set to extend yesterday's losses 
right now down uh, just about a little over 1%. This following reports, the Justice Department has launched an antitrust investigation into the company with a focus on relationships between its United Healthcare Insurance and Optum Health Services business units. United Health is the largest U.S. health insurer in commercial markets and Medicare Advantage with 14% and 28% market share, respectively. And Tesla CEO Elon Musk says its new electric Roadster sports car will start shipping as soon as next year. In a post to X, Musk adds Tesla has radically increased design goals for the new Tesla Roadster ahead of the release. Musk first announced a battery-powered 4C sports car at the end of 2017 with an original launch date in 2020, Frank. All right, Silvana, thank you very much. We're going to turn our attention now back to the broader markets. And despite a bit of a mixed session yesterday, the major averages, they they remain on track for a fourth winning month in a row. Solid gains since February 1st between 2 and nearly 6%. You're looking at the charts right there. But another standout in small caps, up more than 5.5% this month, coming off its first four-session win streak of the year and about to close out its third positive month in the last four. So question here, is that a sign of a changing market when it comes to leadership or just a short-term shift? Let's bring in Craig Johnson, Chief Market Technician at Piper Sandler. Craig, good morning. It is great to see you. Morning, Frank. Thanks for having me back on the show. Always great to see you, Craig. All right. So you're kind of on the same theme, too. Your new note uh, is about whether we're topping out or broadening out. I have to ask you, are those the only two options in your mind right now? Frank, that's a great question. I think right now, just looking at the technical evidence, the answer to that is yes. Um, if you just simply come back and look at these popular averages, whether it's the Dow, CS&P, or it's the NASDAQ, you can see after that big run off of the October 2023 lows that we're now pressing to the upper end of a very well-established 18-month price channel. And, Frank, this is not where you start the next leg up. You don't do that at the upper end of a channel technically. And then second, okay. Frank, I just mentioned the breadth of the market. We need to see this market really begin to broaden out. Healthcare needs to pick up in participation. Financials are starting, and hence why we upgraded it last month. But we need to see more evidence because right now the breadth of the market has been steadily contracting throughout uh, all of 2024, Frank. You know, Craig, I got to say, it feels like you're giving me some conflicting messages. You're saying for the market to move higher, it needs to broaden out. But at the same time, your note's kind of juxtaposing if it's topping out or broadening out. And as we just mentioned, we have 46 S&P 500 companies, almost 10% of the index, close to a 52-week or all-time high. So isn't that the broadening that you say we need for the market to actually move higher? Well, it's it's a good start, Frank, but we need to see a bigger participation in financials. We need to see a bigger participation in, in, in healthcare. And the reason being is those are some of the biggest parts of the Russell 2000, which is a much broader index than just the S&P 500 uh, index itself. And when you sum all of these pieces up, Frank, it's just, it's not enough to really say we can start that next leg up yet. So our view has been for this entire year, this is a market that's probably gonna enter an HLTR or a high-level trading range. And at this point in time, being at the upper end of that channel, now is a time where this market is certainly vulnerable to see at least a 10% correction. And uh, that's what we suspect will start to unfold in coming uh, days and weeks in here, Okay, Frank. so yeah, you're saying a 10% correction. You see the S&P pulling back in March, possibly, to as low as 4,600. Um, I also right. want to ask you about some additions to one of your funds. You're adding IBM and Disney to the Piper Sandler Technical Opportunities Fund. What are the technicals telling you about about these two stocks? 
Well, Frank, what the, what the technicals are telling me, if you look at IBM specifically, it's breaking out to a 14-year high, a much different picture than what you're seeing with Apple at this point in time. Uh, while they're taking the exit uh, ramp on the, uh, the, the auto business, uh, IBM is certainly picking up benefits from AI and consulting and other pieces. The breakout is attractive. And then the last one, Frank, is Disney. Yeah, you got to, uh, Craig, I'm going to jump in. You got you to gotta give me the story on this one because Disney hasn't really performed. Um, we had a, 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 a uh, former Disney CFO, someone who's trying to join the board, basically saying you would have actually lost money on Disney for the last three years on almost, I think it was 90% of the days if you would have put money in. Absolutely. But at this point in time, if you come back and you look at the, the weekly chart on Disney, it's starting to bottom out and the relative strength on it is finally starting to improve. So while there's been a lot of negative returns at Disney over the last couple of years in here, it looks like it's now starting to change. Perhaps management changes are starting to take uh, a bigger impact here with the stock. But it looks like it's bottomed out, Frank. And now is the time when you want to step up when people don't like it. This is when you want to step up and buy some of these kind of uh, good, high quality blue chip stocks, Frank. Well, also, you're also removing Apple from the Piper Sandler Technical Opportunities Fund. Uh, Craig, always great to see you. Your price target remains at 50-50, but you're saying we can see a pullback all the way back to 4,600. Thank you very much. Thanks, Frank. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange. That includes the one word that investors have to know today. But first, Qualcomm CEO tells CNBC how he is keeping a leg up on the AI competition in the smartphone space. Plus, much, much more on Alphabet's AI black guy and what, if anything, this company can do to write its reputation with consumers and maybe even more importantly, investors. And later, getting set for Salesforce results, we have the number one metric that you need to watch ahead of earnings. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The market doesn't joke around. So why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Take a look. This is U.S. futures. You can see in the red across the board, looks like the Dow would open up about 150 points lower than NASDAQ. The hardest hit down just about two-thirds of a percent. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day is just getting started. Carolyn Ross in our London newsroom. Carolyn, good morning. Good morning to you, Frank. Bit of a patchy picture in Europe here. You know what? For most of this week, European markets have really been struggling for a direction. Just to put this into perspective, though, for the month, we're on track for 2% gains for the stock 600, on track for its fourth positive month in a row. But take a look here. Bit of an uneven picture. The Zetradax hitting yet another record high this morning. It's done that for the last five trading sessions. Elsewhere, we're seeing a little bit of red here for the IBEX in Spain, the FTSE 100 in the UK, off by two-thirds of 
1%. Record Benkiser, this is a consumer goods company. It has sold fewer flu and cold medicine, and that's really pressuring the stock down by as much as 10% in today's trading session. Let's switch over to the sectors, and I want to show you these one by one because we're seeing banks, autos, and insurance outperforming. Telcos is also one to watch. Take a look at this up by 0.2%. Potential, potentially a very big deal happening in the European telco space. Vodafone is looking to sell its Italian business to Swisscom for up to 8 billion euros in cash. Nothing like a good M&A story. Back over to you. Looking at Vodafone shares here in the U.S. on the Nasdaq, up 1% in the pre-market. Carolyn, always great to see you. Thank you. All right, we're going to stick overseas. It is day three of the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain. And of course, AI. It has been the hot topic among the CEOs gathered to discuss their strategies to tap into that red hot tech. Arjun Kapal spoke to one of those CEOs earlier and joins us now with much more. Arjun, good to see you. Hi, Frank. I braved the crowds to be out here on the exhibition floor as well. It's very busy, and you're right. AI, talk of the town here, and really, it's about AI on devices. Now, just to unpack that, typically we have had AI on our phones. Often that's come from the cloud, so you're using an AI app of some sort or or feature downloaded from the cloud onto your device. Now, uh, the companies are talking about AI being processed on devices. This is faster, more secure, might unlock new experiences. How that's going to be powered? chips, of course, and one of the big players you can see behind me is Qualcomm uh, over there. They are hoping to be the big player in, in this space. I had a chance to catch up with Cristiano Amon, the CEO of Qualcomm, to talk about the trends with on-device AI. Let's listen in. We are on the cusp of an AI revolution and to bring excitement so people want to have an AI phone. I think that's what we're betting. We're betting that there's going to create a new cycle in this industry. And you've started to see some very compelling use cases. Qualcomm's betting that in the future our devices, whether it's a phone or something else, will effectively be a personal assistant to us. And just on that, I was on the Qualcomm booth just moments ago, and we saw this very cool demo of this pin about the size of a cookie, which was uh, had an AI Qualcomm chip in it and was able to be your personal assistant. You could ask it questions. It could take video and do all sorts of stuff. So that is a vision uh, that Qualcomm and many of these device makers have, where these devices effectively become your personal assistants to book your hotel, your flights, your Uber, whatever it is. Uh, and that's what we're hearing on the ground here, Frank. You know, one thing I'm trying to vision, Arjun, is what the size of a cookie is there. You know, here in the U.S., we got really big cookies. Uh, But on a serious note, uh, (laughs) Cristiano Oman, he's talking about, you know, AI phones. So give me a sense. I know you see a lot of cool things there, some cutting edge tech. What are you seeing when it comes to AI phones? And I heard also the competition's heating up when it comes to smart rings. I don't know if you remember, we had the Aura CEO here. I got to see a smart ring. It was pretty cool. What are you seeing when it comes to smart rings? Yeah, so, so two things there on the AI phones. I've seen a lot of demos. One of those, uh, and I want to show you the stand behind me, Chinese firm Honor. It was spun off from Huawei, and they showed a feature on their phone where you could look at it and it could track your eyes. That is powered by AI. You've got Samsung uh, just in the background as well. They were showing a lot of the features on their device with their cameras, with the ability to circle a picture and search. And on the topic of Samsung, they showed off their smart ring for the first time, the Galaxy Ring. I had a look at it. They're betting big on this health category, that together with the smartphone, with the smartwatch, with the ring, it can give you all types of, in- all types of insights into their data, and that can unlock new business for, for Samsung as well. And just finally, the, the other big topic here is the innovation, yes, around AI on, on phones, but also what does the future phone look like? And there's been a lot of talk about screens. Uh, we talked earlier in the week about a screen that could wrap 
around your wrist. Uh, there was another uh, device I saw uh, where the actual screen opened up uh, into something bigger as well. So there's a lot of experimentation, innovation happening on the screen front. And all these companies you see around here behind me are, are trying to do just that to reinvigorate what, in all honesty, has been a very tough smartphone market in the past couple of years, Frank. All right, our Audrey Kapal live at the Mobile World Congress. I know it was a big day there because you got the turtleneck back on. So that's how I know it's a big day. Arjun, great to see you. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, investors, they are swiping left on shares of Bumble instead, opting for its rivals when looking for love in the year ahead. We're going to have that story and the rest of your big money movers coming up after the break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories in the morning. We're going to start with shares of eBay up almost 3%. The e-commerce giant narrowly topping earnings for its most recent quarter. However, uh, guidance, it came in also, actually guidance came in much better than an analyst expected. It's also raising its dividend and buying back $2 billion in shares. That stock's on track to close out its best month since last January after lagging over the last year. Again, shares up just about 3%. Urban Outfitters under some pressure this morning. Earnings, revenue, and same store sales. Key metric there. All missing estimates. Though it says positive responses to early spring offerings point to sales growth in its fourth first quarter. The pullback in shares follows a 40% gain over the past three months. Uh, shares of Urban Outfitters down just over 9%. And Bumble set to open up at an all-time low after posting an unexpected loss and issuing some weak guidance. The dating app is also cutting 350 jobs, or nearly 40% of its workforce. Shares are down nearly 50% over the last year, compared to rival Match Group's 10% decline and Grinders 30% pop. Shares of Bumble right now down almost 9%. All right, turning now to the Chinese property sector, shares of Hong Kong property developers getting a boost over in Asia, looking at stocks like New World Development moving higher, also Henderson Land. This after the city lifted several housing market restrictions that have been in place for more than a decade in a, in a push to boost a broader recovery that struggled quite a bit. Property struggles, a key factor for China's ongoing economic slowdown as well, and they appear to only be continuing. Are Eunice Yoon getting a first-hand look at one city serving as a prime example of that crisis? Eunice, over to you. Thanks, Frank. Well, you probably have never heard of the city of Nantong. Authorities there are hoping for a recovery in the property market. But as we found out this week, that might be a lot to ask for. Thinking of buying a home in China? Maybe not this one. This housing development was built in 2011, but most of the buildings like this one have never been occupied. And as you can see, they're not well maintained. Here in the city of Nantong, unsold apartments are everywhere. 600 out of 900 units in this complex, half out of the near 800 in this other. Unsold apartments like this are all over the country and weighing on the economy. Research firm Rhodium estimates across China as many as 26 million. In Nantong's case, developers bet more people would move from the countryside to the cities and prefer a home in a town near the financial hub of Shanghai. But Nantong was bypassed as buyers chose apartments closer to Shanghai. And because of China's demographic decline, Nantong's population is flatlining at 7.7 million. 
Local projections forecast it could take five years to find buyers for all of the new unsold apartments. Making matters worse, falling home prices and a bad job market have slowed sales. The staff say in 2019, this building would have sold out in two months. Today, they're hoping for three years. The fear is many of these homes will never sell and remain a burden on the real estate market. And Frank, some of the apartments are empty because people bought them as investments without ever intending on living in them. So the developments are really lonely. You know, I mean, such a great story, Eunice. I love that stand-up you just did. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. They expected to take three years to sell that apartment? Three years? Five years. Five, okay. Five years. It was a so, little echo in there. I and just that's years. assuming that people are... Yeah, that, that's right. It was five years. And, 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 and that's assuming that people are actually going to buy them. Because one of the right. big problems in that specific city and why and in a lot of these little cities is that uh, the building is in some place that not a lot of people want to live in. And there's a population issue. In fact, Nantong is uh, one of the oldest, the city with like the oldest population in China. So you have uh, just kind of a mismatch in the wow. supply and demand, and that's leading to this major problem. It, you know, for a while here, it was hard for a house to stay on the market in the U.S. for five days. So incredible. Uh, Eunice Yoon, great reporting as always. <laughs> great to see you. Thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, why our Jim Cramer says Alphabet should be more like Apple if it has any hope of regaining the trust of consumers and investors. But first, a programming note. As demand for GLP-1 drugs like Ozempic has boomed, many businesses, they've stepped forward to offer alternate versions that are cheaper, but not FDA approved and easy to access. How easy? Melissa Lee investigates in a new CNBC documentary, Big Shot, The Ozempic Revolution. to see how easy it would be to get compounded semaglutide. So we put it to the test. We picked telehealth sites that didn't require any blood work. We used our real names and real body stats. By these metrics, none of us should have qualified for GLP-1 medications. On one site, all I had to do was input some basic info, like my height, weight, and set up a call with a doctor. No, I've never tried this before. After a seven-minute consult, I'm qualified. Okay, five questions and that's it. I was approved. Great. Of the eight sites we reached out to, two approved us to take compounded semaglutide. None of us saw a doctor in person. Compounded semaglutide is currently allowed by the FDA, but it's not approved. And that's an important difference. There are dozens of pharmacies across the country mixing their own versions, sometimes adding other ingredients like B12. And while some of the facilities are inspected by the FDA, the drugs they make are not. And watch Big Shop, the Ozempic Revolution premiering tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern and 10 p.m. Pacific right here on CNBC. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. Stocks are facing another day of pressure with increasing calls that a pullback could be on the horizon. Futures are in the red. Earnings on the agenda today, including results from Salesforce. But will CEO Mark Benioff's efforts to help it catch up to rivals in one critical area actually work? An Alphabet CEO doing a little damage control over its AI tool, while our Jim Cramer says it's time for that company to take a page out of Apple's playbook to write that ship. It is Wednesday, February the 28th, 2024. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC.
And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready for the trading day ahead. We pick up the half an hour with a check of U.S. stock futures after a bit of a mixed day for stocks yesterday. Futures extending losses, you can see, right across the board and pretty close to session lows. Looks like the Dow would open up just about 125 points lower. We also want to take a closer look at tech and the large cap NASDAQ 100 in the pre-market. You can see some of the laggards here, Palo Alto Networks right at the top of the list, down two and a quarter of a percent. Uh, Micron, a chip maker, down two percent. Applied Materials down just over two percent. So broadly, we're seeing tech under some pressure. We're also checking the bond market ahead of tomorrow's uh, PCE report, I should say. Taking a look at yields, looking at the benchmark, 4.29 is the yield here. We've seen the benchmark move about 25 basis points higher this month. Similar story for the long bond, the 30-year, often seen as a read on inflation expectations. It has also moved up about 25 basis points in February. And last but certainly not least, energy. We're looking at oil under some heavy pressure this morning. Take a look. WTI down over 1%, hitting its lows of the morning, trading below 78 bucks a barrel. Brent crude, the international benchmark, down just about 1% as well. Okay, that's your morning money setup. Now we want to turn back to what could be one of your big money movers of the day. We're talking Salesforce. It reports fourth quarter results after the close. The stock, it's outperformed the broader market by more than double this year. And mega cap tech since announcing a 1% workforce reduction in late January. The street's expecting revenue growth of 10% and profit growth of 35% for Salesforce. Operating margins, they also continue to be a key factor. A recent note from Jeffrey saying, despite cost-cutting and streamlining of operations, in part due to pressure from activist investors, Salesforce continues to trend below mega-cap tech peers, including Microsoft and Oracle when it comes to operating margins. You can see large-cap tech's the orange line. Salesforce is that blue line below it. So adoption of AI products and the overall demand picture are also likely very important to investors. Analysts say their checks show strong adoption of Data Cloud, one of those AI offerings from Salesforce, Current remaining performance obligation, that number is also a read of future business. So a number above the guidance of 10%. That would demonstrate those trends are intact even after a 9% price increase late last year for Salesforce. All right, as we mentioned, Salesforce could be a big mover post-earnings. Shares have moved an average of 7% following the past few reports. Let's talk more about what to expect from the numbers in this report. George C. is the founder and chairman of Annandale Capital, which manages roughly $1.5 billion in assets and advises on a total of $8 billion. They own Salesforce through various ETFs such as the SPY and the IVW. George, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So, George, I know you're, you're cautiously optimistic going into this print. Salesforce shares up about 80% over the last year. What are your expectations when it comes to the number and also the call with CEO Mark Benioff? Yeah, I think Mark's got a lot of heavy lifting to to do from here on out. I think that the light lifting is over and done. He's he's uh, cut costs. He's expanded margins. He's righted the ship, so to speak, with the stock being up about 100% over a little more than a, a year at this point. And from here on out, he's got to show an awful lot of top-line growth and beat the street's expectations significantly. And Einstein and AI are going to be a big factor right now. That's just such a hot trend. And he's got to pump that uh that kind of uh, aspiration to okay. get right in the middle of AI and 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 have it grow at a, at a rate that the street's going to be happy about. And I think that's a pretty heavy lift. I think it's going to be hard to do that. This is a great company. Is it a great stock for the next 12 months? I think it's harder for, from here on out. It's got some okay. headwinds. Ahead. So, like I said, you're cautiously optimistic, but it sounds like you want to hold this stock. You're not looking to take profits. You want to continue holding and kind of go on this ride with Mark Benioff. So I do want to ask you, you mentioned AI adoption. Um, one way to look at it 
is its current remaining performance obligation. That's a metric of demand going forward. Uh, the estimate or the guidance, I should say, is 10 percent. Um, what are you looking for beyond just that number when it comes to the call and what Mark Benioff is saying about customers um, deciding to adopt Salesforce's tools or, or not to or maybe even pushing back on price? What are your expectations? I think the markets are really all about momentum at this point in terms of tech and growth and all that. And they want to see momentum above and beyond what expectations or or street projections are for each particular quarter. They want to see that accelerating. And NVIDIA is obviously the big uh, example of that across the board. And I think all these other companies that are trailing in NVIDIA's wake have got to show the kind of growth and momentum that make investors want to continue to buy the stock and continue to be optimistic. And so I think that's what they've got to show. Their, their projections and their their what they what they expect going forward have got to exceed the, the street, delight the street for the stock to keep going up. You know, George, like a lot of analysts from Jeffries, from J.P. Morgan, all across the board, everybody's kind of focused on operating margin. We were showing the audience a short time ago the Salesforce, it actually lags below a lot of its peers, like an Intuit, an Oracle, a Microsoft. Um, how big of a deal is this going to be in this report? If the company's able to beat on revenue and earnings, is this still a big deal? Because it certainly has been in the past, especially for activist investors. They've made some progress here, Frank, but they've got more they could they could potentially do. But I, I think we're kind of on the margins at this point in terms of how much additional progress they could make. They could make more and that could that could help their cause. But I think top line growth and what they say about AI and Einstein are going to be the biggest factors in terms of where the stock goes the next right. three to six months. George C. of NNL Capital saying uh, sticking with Salesforce, but you think it might be, uh, you know, less growth going forward. Good to see you. Great to have you here. Appreciate your time and your insight. Thank All right, you, time Frank. now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. We got Silvana Hanau. She's back. Hey, Frank, good morning. I am back. All right, well, congressional leaders expressing optimism they'll be able to avoid a government shutdown with Saturday's midnight deadline fast approaching. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying that yesterday's White House meeting with President Biden turned tense at times over government funding and Ukraine aid. But House Speaker Mike Johnson says he believes both sides could reach an agreement despite facing pressure from some House Republicans. Starbucks workers at the company's unionized cafes are set to receive an increase in pay. The coffee giant and union representing the workers announcing the move, saying they've found a constructive path forward in their standoff over bargaining. Starbucks also announcing it would provide unionized stores with credit card tipping. That's a benefit that has been available in non-union stores for more than a year. And Sam Bankman-Fried is seeking a much lighter sentence than the roughly 100 years he faces for stealing billions from FTX customers. In a court filing, Bankman-Fried's lawyers argued that a roughly five to six and a half year sentence would be appropriate. They argued that FTX clients would get most of their funds back and also cited Bank- Bankman-Fried's medical conditions, including autism, Frank. All right, Silvana, thank you very much. All right, we're going to turn our attention now back to tech and the damage control at Alphabet, and it's all about its AI tool, Gemini. In a memo to employees, CEO Sundar Pichai calling the chatbot historically inaccurate and racially insensitive. He added responses on image generation are, quote, completely unacceptable, and he is admitting the company, once again, it's a quote, got it wrong. He's promising to make the company wide, making, to make company-wide structural changes to prevent similar incidents. Alphabet lost $70 billion in market cap yesterday. It joined Apple and Tesla as the only magnificent seven stocks that are negative year to date. 
On last night's Mad Money, Jim Cramer saying that Alphabet needs to start streamlining its business like Apple or even Meta to regain trust with its consumers and its investors. The lousy performance of Google is indeed the talk of the town. We know its price earnings multiple is just a, it, it's a, it, it, it's a laugher. It's the lowest of the magnificent seven. There has to be some point where management pushes through a year of efficiency and we finally find out how many different divisions, how many layers they have that aren't producing anything. And how many valuable franchises they have, like the NFL Sunday ticket, they're just lying fallow. It's time for Google Alphabet, whatever, I don't even care, to stop running as a skunk works for all sorts of ideas that may or may not work and start focusing on actually making some money. Skunk works. You don't hear that very often. Let's talk much more about this with Alex Kantrowitz, big technology founder and a CNBC contributor. Alex, good morning. It's good to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right. I'm going to have to I'm going to Google skunk works while you're answering this question I'm about to ask you. Um, so right now, when it comes to Apple, give me a sense. How do you view their decision to scrap their plans to create a, a self-driving car? Um, some people kind of see it as, hey, this could have been the innovation that people have been looking for for many years and possibly a culture shifting product that Apple hasn't had in many years. And then others, um, it sounds like Jim Cramer, think that they just need to focus on AI and that headset. And that's where the real growth is. Where do you land? I think you have to read behind the headline for this one. Of course, they're canceling the project. But why are they canceling the project? To me, after doing my reporting, I think it's been a cultural issue that's held Apple back from being able to build an electric car or an autonomous car. We're talking about a design-led process that in some cases had sensors that were required for autonomous driving buried deep within the car and limiting their field of view because the car would look better. And they spent years on this, $10 billion, according to some reports, and weren't able to come away with the product. So to me, their inability to actually ship this thing is the real concerning thing. Now, you know, uh, investors saying that the car is off the table now and they're going to focus, you know, is secondary. To me, primary is really what is going on inside Apple? Where is that culture coming up short that it was unable to produce results here? All right. One other thing I want to ask you about, uh, Apple shareholder meeting later today, and then we're going to turn our attention back to Alphabet. Um, in the shareholder meeting, there's one proposal that really caught my eye, and I bounced this off of you. It's the AFL-CIO index funds. They're asking Apple to apparently uh, prepare a transparency report on its use of AI and its business operations and disclose ethical guidelines that Apple has adopted regarding the use of AI. What's your take on this? Apple's actually asking shareholders to vote no on this because they're worried about revealing some of their competitive positioning. Yeah, I think it's an important ask from the AFL-CIO. We're going to start to see even more scandals around these AI generation tools because they spend so much time acting on their own, forming their own opinions. And I think without transparency, it's going to be tough for users to trust these companies. And of course, if you're a company like Apple, trust is really, you know, your core, the core thing that you're selling alongside, okay. obviously, functional devices. So I think this is an important ask. I think we should see more companies come forward and be more transparent about the way that this stuff works. And like you mentioned, I think Apple is asking voters to turn it down. So I don't think there's a lot of chance that this is going to pass. Okay. Uh, but maybe it will set off some, you know, some alarm bells inside Apple when they say if we're going to if they're going to ship something in WWDC, maybe there should be a transparency report that accompanies it. I think it's a good okay. idea. Let's, let's come full circle on this one. And I, I wanted to take you down the road to Apple to bring you back to here. Um, we see some shareholders asking Apple to reveal transparency, ethics. What do you think Google Alphabet has to do regarding its AI and its processes? What do they have to do to regain that trust when it comes to not only customers, but investors? Uh, stocks moved into negative territory for the year following some of these issues. 
Absolutely. Well, they're talking internally about structural changes, right? So I think that's important, right? What is going on in the process? It's not just the mistake itself, but it's the incompetence, the organizational issues that led us to this moment that Google should really be concerned about. So I do think that they have to figure out a better process and really the best way to speak to investors, to speak to customers and users and employees is to ship some products that they can be proud of. Now we know they have the model Gemini and Gemini 1.5 that's supposed to be on par with GPT-4, which is the model from OpenAI. So they really have to show that, you know, and when the products come out, that this model is good and these mistakes that they've made in, in the recent past um, have really done a disservice to Google in terms of its opportunity and ability to show us that it has the product chops to put it alongside the open AIs, for instance, and really factor in this AI battle. You know, some of these mistakes were actually quite a bit controversial, Alex. So I, again, I want to ask you, referring to this request for the uh, at the Apple shareholder meeting, does Alphabet, do they need to release a report just kind of creating more transparency, how their how their tools coming up with these results? What's going on? Who's involved in these processes? I think that's the number one key here, because when you think about Google, what Google's great at is pointing you to the web, right? Their job basically in the past was getting you from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible and satisfying some curiosity. But right now what they're doing is ingesting the whole web, right, with conversational AI bots or when it comes to generating images. And they're actually putting that information out themselves. So whereas before, you know, you didn't really see this happen with search because you didn't need the transparency. All the action was happening on the web itself. Now the action is happening within the AI. So if Google get away with not telling us exactly how the algorithm works or why some sites were favored over okay. others in the past, it needs to tell us now. It's crucial. It's important. And I think it's a core component to its ability to succeed going forward is to maintain trust with people by being super transparent about how this stuff works. And they came up short over this past week. And I think that okay. might be one of the changes we see moving forward. The Alex Kantrowitz word of the day, transparency. Always great to see you, Alex. Thank you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the bullish call on Constellation Energy. Given that stock, just some juice ahead of the open shares up almost 1%. But first, we have a bonus set of big money movers. Virgin Galactic under pressure, despite posting a narrower-than-expected fourth-quarter loss, shares down more than 6%. The space travel company says top-line growth was driven by commercial space flights and membership fees related to future astronauts. Shares of Lemonade, they are plunging this morning. The insurance company posting a narrower-than-expected loss, but issuing light quarterly and full-year revenue guidance. You can see shares down more than 14%. The stock's also nearly 90% off of its all-time highs. And Boston Beer shares, they're falling flat. Revenue decreasing by 12% in the fourth quarter due to significantly lower shipment volumes. Truly Hard Seltzer driving that decline, partially offset by increases in Twisted Tea. You can see shares are down more than 11%. Worldwide Exchange, we're back in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with KBW raising its rating and price target on LendingTree, moving it to outperform in 45 bucks a share. KBW citing an earnings recovery for LendingTree this year, led by a rebound in its insurance segment. Shares up 1.5%. KeyBank upgrading its rating on Constellation Energy to overweight. It cites a more focused growth strategy and long-term trends in the U.S. power markets. Those shares up nearly 1%. And Loop Capital initiating coverage of Dell with a buy rating and a $125 price target. and believes Dell is at the very front end of at least two material catalysts, generative AI servers, and a PC refresh cycle. Shares of Dell, though, this morning down nearly a half a percent. 
It's also time for your global briefing. We're going to start with shares of Hong Kong property developers getting a boost today after the city lifted several housing market curbs that have been in place for more than a decade. The move, which includes scrapping transaction taxes on residential property, is part of efforts to cement a broader recovery that struggled to gain momentum following the post-pandemic rebound. Shares of Just Eat Takeaway, they're under pressure this morning, even as the food delivery platform reported a narrow full-year loss, revenue falling by 7% as well. Just Eat, which owns Grubhub here in the U.S., is forecasting a nearly 40% jump in adjusted core earnings this year, citing strong demand in its key British and Irish markets. And Reckitt is one of the biggest losers on the FTSE 100 today, the consumer goods giant behind Airborne, Lysol, and Clearasil, reporting fourth-quarter revenue that missed estimates on lower sales of cold and flu medication. Record expects revenue growth of 2 to 4% this year. You can see shares are down more than 11%. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus why our next guest says it may be a rough road ahead for stocks, at least in the near term. Stay with us. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with the Biden administration announcing the president will issue an executive order today to protect the personal data of American citizens from countries deemed hostile. That includes China, Russia, and Iran. The order will focus on the so-called data brokers who collect and sell people's personal info. Shares of MicroStrategy higher again after popping 27% over the last two days. You see the chart right there. The company says it acquired 3,000 additional Bitcoin for a total of $155 million. Bitcoin trading back above 59,000. It now holds 11 billion worth of crypto. United Health said to extend yesterday's losses. This follows reports the Department of Justice has launched an antitrust investigation into the relationship between the company's United Healthcare Insurance and Optum Health Services units. eBay moving higher after topping revenue and guidance expectations is also hiking its dividend by two cents and buying back two billion dollars worth of stock. Bumble under some pressure. The dating app is laying off nearly 30 percent of its workforce as it takes significant and decisive action to accelerate its product roadmap. And shares of, of, of Urban Outfitters also falling. Uh, earnings and revenue missing estimates, though the retailer does see positive growth signals ahead. All right, as we gear up for the trading day ahead, a look at how futures are shaping up with the NASDAQ within striking distance of a new all-time high. However, right now, futures under pressure across the board, though the NASDAQ off of its lows of earlier today. Looks like the Dow would open about 115 points lower. For much more, let's bring in Lizzie Evans, managing partner at Evans May Wealth with $1.2 billion under management. Good morning. It's always good to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right. So I, I, we just looked at the futures right now. Give us a sense. What's your Wexword of the day? How do you see this day shaping up? My Wexword of the day is euphoria, which is defined as a feeling or state of intense excitement and happiness. And Frank, I can't think of a better way to describe the market, particularly after last week's knockout earnings report by NVIDIA. All right. So market's in a state of euphoria right now, but you're not really because you say you're expecting to see some type of pullback coming up. Um, I know your clients are mostly high net worth individuals. So right now with the market trading very close to all time highs, how are you uh, having them prepare for this possible pullback? We do think that we will see a short-term pullback. We think the setup over the medium to long-term still remains very positive, but by a lot of indications, the market is overbought. So if you look at hedge funds, hedge fund leverage ratios are in the 99th percentile. They're higher than they've been in recent years. You look at cash positions in mutual funds, today cash represents 1.7% of total positions. 
that that has been slashed. That's the lowest levels we've seen since December of 2021. You've got the VIX indicating complacency in the market. The S&P, whether you're looking at market cap or equal weight, by any stretch, the valuations are rich. So we're telling clients, if you need cash in the next six months, let's raise it now. A pullback, we see a 5% pullback intra-year, 95% of the time. Okay. We see a 10% pullback every 1.8 years. So I... I think there's volatility in the short term, medium to long term still looks very positive. All right. So the near term looks pretty positive, but something else you're looking out for is a partial government shutdown that could come later this week. Um, That generally does not have a big impact on the markets, to be clear. Your research shows the same thing. But do you have clients calling you saying, do I need to prepare for this? And and if so, how would you prepare for a worst case scenario out of this partial shutdown if it does happen? Yeah, Frank, it's a great point. I, I, it generally, it does not have a big impact on the market, but the market right now is priced to perfection. And we aren't getting calls uh, indicating, you know, I'm worried about the government shutdown. There is this sense of in, uh, euphoria. Investor sentiment is very high. So I think with that, you know, if you look at what happened in August of last year with the downgrade, I think to the extent that we get some negative news that could send treasury treasury yields higher, higher, which could be a headwind for equities. So that could be a catalyst for a short-term pullback. You never know okay. what it's going to be, but but we are due for that. All right, Lizzie, we got to get going, but really quick, your pick for us is Taiwan Semi, also trading pretty close to an all-time high. So why buy that right now? I love Taiwan Semi. So they're making 60% of, of chips globally, 90% of the of the world's most advanced chips. They just opened their first factory this past weekend in Japan. They're investing in their second. They have higher gross profit margins than their competitors. They're the largest foundry. I think that there's still more upside there. All right, Lizzie Evans, your pick, Taiwan Semi. Great to see you as always. Thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. Uh, Great to have all of you here watching Worldwide Exchange with us. Futures under some pressure. Squawk Box takes it from here. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.